from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. Welcome into another episode of Jersey Jump Shot. Ryan Ross here with Steve Edelson, Jerry Carino, and Chris Eisman. Uh, different circumstances, obviously, with everything going on in the world right now and an abrupt end to the college basketball season. Uh, really just heartbreaking and uncertain and, you know, still a lot of questions that need to be answered. But we're doing our virtual show here, four of us in four different locations, calling in to bring you one last episode of Jersey Jump Shot. Uh, certainly a lot has changed over the course of the last episode with the conference tournaments being canceled, the NCAA tournament canceled as well, and just a lot of uncertainty going on right now with everything, and especially in the world of college basketball. Uh, you have to feel for some of these teams and seniors and fans that got robbed of the opportunity to watch their teams play in the postseason. But obviously with everything going on, uh, the powers that be thought this was the right move to cancel the tournament. So guys, as we start this show, uh, a show I think none of us really ever anticipated having to do with how the season ended. But just let's go around and, and Jerry, we'll start with you. Just your thoughts on everything that has transpired in the last week. The unthinkable's happened, guys, the unthinkable. And I've been on the phone with coaches, with players. Nobody can believe what happened. Everybody understands. Everybody understands, but nobody can believe. And let me say, let me be the first to say I was wrong. On this podcast last week, I said, ah, coronavirus, you know, it's not going to impede on the festivities. And it's not only impeded, it, it took over. It shut down society well beyond sports. So I was wrong. I didn't see around that corner. Um, but here we are. And... Um, yeah, everybody's shocked. I mean, people are still in shock that the season ended. It's just, it's March sadness, all capital letters. Um, and uh, what can you say? I mean, especially in New Jersey, dreams were dashed. You know, you had a Seton Hall team capable of making a run to a Final Four with an All-American player, dashed. You had, you had a Rutgers team on the verge of making the first NCAA tournament in 29 years, dashed. I mean, the, the MAC tournament, you had three Jersey teams in the hunt. For, for the title and the automatic birth and the big dance dashed. So it's just, it's just devastating on a, on a sports level, on a fan level for these players who are seniors. And I, I'm still in a little bit of shock about everything that's happened, including the cancellation of March Madness, unthinkable at one time. And this all really just seemed to snowball. I mean, we recorded last Monday, and I think it was later that afternoon or the next day, the Ivy League tournament, I think, was one of the first to cancel. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. All of a sudden, the announcement came out that, you know, the tournaments were going to go on as scheduled. They were just going to have no fans. There was a couple games played in front of fans, and then there was plans the following day to do it in empty arenas. And really, just kind of one after another, it seemed like these conference tournaments were starting to be canceled one by one. And like you said, Jerry, I think we all agree with it. We all understand it. We all understand the necessity to do it. But for Steve and Chris, you know, you guys were traveling to these tournaments. And, and Chris, especially you were out in Indianapolis to go there. And then now all of a sudden just turn around as this was canceled. What was your experience like? Yeah, to say it was surreal doesn't even really begin to describe it. Um, as you said, obviously, uh, it was that Wednesday when word came down that they were going to be playing the Big Ten tournament games starting with the second round without fans in the arena. And everything was so fluid that you're kind of getting used to that idea. Uh, we show up on Thursday for the second round. Obviously, Rutgers in Michigan, uh, they had the early game at noon. And so it was, odd, it was an odd feeling pulling into the parking garage across the street from the arena and having it be virtually empty. Um, and there's no fans milling about. It was a very odd, surreal feeling. And then you go inside and it just kept getting stranger and stranger. And then you know, we were out on the court about 
20 minutes before game time and, and Michigan and Rutgers were going through their warmups and again, no fans in the building. It was a strange atmosphere, but you were kind of getting adjusted to it and kind of getting used to it and just, all right, this is the situation. This is what it's going to be like. And then all of a sudden they call the uh, teams off the court and they send an email out that the, uh, you know, the tournament was canceled. It was just, like I said, to say it was bizarre and surreal doesn't begin to cover it. Um, it was one of the strangest things I've ever experienced. It, it just, and, and, and in the immediate aftermath of that, you're kind of just, there's so much happening. You're trying to figure out, you know, what does this mean for the NCAA tournament at that immediate moment? We didn't know. Uh, what does this mean for the rest of the season? Is it over? And then you're thinking about like, when is everybody going to get home? How is everybody going to get home? Um, it was just a strange, strange day. And, and I'm with Jerry. I'm still in shock about the whole thing. And Steve, too, what was your experience like? I know you're ready for the MAC tournament down in Atlantic City. And, of course, like everyone else, they end up canceling. What was your experience like? Well, I think by the time the MAC tournament was canceled, which was the last tournament to be canceled, so many dominoes had fallen. I mean, you knew that that was not going to take place. But I, I just think it's so stunning because when you look at what has happened in society since then, you know, between uh, people's 401ks and pretty much everyone out of work, you know, I mean, college basketball cancellation, it really seems on the surface rather inconsequential at this point. But when you look back at all of the hours of work that these guys, particularly the seniors, put in to get to this point, this was their chance. And, and so much of it was happening in New Jersey, but around the country, you know, it's just a situation where all those dreams were dashed. And I think that is really the takeaway, you know, for, for all these kids who are likely not going to get that year back and they're going to move on with their lives knowing that, you know, they had a chance, but they never got that chance after putting in all that work. And, and that's one of the debate topics that's come out of this cancellation is is what to do with the seniors. There's been, uh, you know, the hypothesis floated out there that they should get an extra year. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of them out there that don't want the extra year. A guy like Miles Powell can make plenty of money in the NBA next year and not have to risk injury in college. Uh, there's the question of what do you do with recruits coming in that were promised a, an open roster spot if you have guys coming back. And then there's also the question of, you know, these guys unfortunately didn't get to play in the postseason. However, they did play probably three-fourths of the regular season, well, the entire regular season, and just didn't play the postseason. So uh, I know, Jerry, you had some thoughts on that, but, you know, that's a very hard question to answer, and that's a very hard request to fulfill. So the NCA moved shockingly quickly, fellas, when they they canceled the spring season and then gave all spring sports athletes a redshirt year that they can now all come back and compete. So that was shocking that they did it that quickly. And then the question became, would they do something similar for the winter sports, especially the seniors who, you know, who got robbed of a chance to play in the postseason or wrestlers got robbed of a chance to wrestle for the NCAA championship uh, event. So they're, they're, they're looking at it, but the prevailing wisdom that what I'm gathering seems to be, it's just not going to happen. Uh, most of the seniors were done with 95 to hundred percent of their season. And if you did, you know, allow them to come back. There'd be some, a lot of decisions that will be made that could create wild disparities. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, athletes would just move on with their lives. Um, some would come back and it, it would be pretty, pretty, pretty haphazard. Who would come back? Who wouldn't? I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see these athletes have the option personally, because I know how, how crushing it was. Like Steve alluded to what they worked for, for all these years, this big stage was yanked. I would love to see them have the option. 
But I understand why it's probably not going to happen, that they, they mostly played their final season. And I think a lot of athletes wouldn't take it. You know, I do think a lot of these, a lot of these young men and women would move on into their professional lives, whether it's in sports or whatever. But I'd like to see, it, see them have the option. I just don't think it'll happen. And a lot of people just are adamantly they don't want it to happen. Yeah, I agree, Jerry. There's just a lot of, you know, what ifs and scenarios that, like you said, might cause some disparity. And, you know, these these athletes did play the majority of their season. And and with many of them, well, a few of them, at least in the basketball realm, there's professional money to be made, whether it's here or abroad. Um, so, you know, it's certainly an odd question. And, and, you know, another debate that has come out of this is the idea of releasing what would have been the tournament. And obviously that leaves some question marks since most of these conference tournaments didn't really get past a round or two. So, you know, the idea of at least rewarding some schools that would have made it, um, what do we think of that? What do we think of, you know, the idea ultimately they decided against it, but releasing the full 68 team tournament uh, just to show these teams who would have made it. I, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a tough one, you know, I, and you know, you're, you're opening it up to so many teams just didn't get to finish their season. You know, I think to release that, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. It, that just doesn't feel right to me. Go ahead, Jerry. I would have said do it. I would have said do it. Um, I would have said uh, it's closure for most of these teams. I look at Rutgers as an example. Look, they were going to get in the NCAA tournament, and now they, they can't say they were in. Next year it's going to be 30 years, a 30-year draft since they were in the NCAA tournament. And that's going to get used against them in negative recruiting. It's going to keep coming up in the media 30 years. Instead, they, if, they, if they released that bracket and Rutgers was in it, they could have said, hey, we made the NCAA tournament. They could put up a banner. And you know what? I still think they should put up a banner. I think they should thumb their nose at this whole thing and say, you know what? You could have released the bracket. The committee had met. You, we could have been on there. We're going to raise the banner anyway. Would, they, would people ridicule them? Probably. But I think that it's within their rights to do it. And I realize most people probably don't agree, and they probably won't do it. But I kind of thought it would provide a small measure of closure and bomb on what was a brutal situation. And they didn't do it. And it's, to me, it's unfortunate, although I certainly can understand people who think, you know, it's ridiculous. But to me, if it was my call, I would have done it. And, you know, there's the argument, too, that it's kind of cruel to both fans and maybe teams that were on the bubble to see that they didn't make it or, you know, that other teams made it and some didn't. And, you know, for the fans to have to go through each round and, just see the games they're missing out on. So, you know, I guess that's the other side of it. Chris, you were around this Rutgers team the entire season. What's their thoughts on this? Do they consider themselves a team that made the tournament? Yes, absolutely. Um, right after the Big Ten tournament uh, was canceled, we were actually talking to um, the athletic director, Pat Hobbs, and and we didn't know at that immediate time if, if the NCAA tournament was going to be canceled, but it was certainly trending that direction. You know, the writing was on the wall, and we asked, you know, do you have any doubt? And he said, no, we're, we, we'd be in. He said, we would absolutely be in. Um, the players all, you know, they, they in the days since that happened, um, they were posting on on social media that, you know, you know, don't get it wrong. We would have been, this is the year that we would have gone dancing. Uh, we were in the tournament. Um, so they, they certainly believe that this was their year. They're in the tournament. Um, they're considering themselves an NCAA tournament team. And frankly, they should. You know, they would have been in. Um, and all the projections that have come out, you know, you see all these different uh, you know, bracketologists coming out with what would have been, and Rutgers was always kind of in the eight to ten seed area. Uh, so they would have been in certainly in the players and the school and the team. Um, really, you know, it's their right to embrace that, and, and they should. And I'm I'm with Jerry. I, I think they should do, embrace it completely. 
and from these cancellations to now, what happens next? I know, Jerry, you've spoken to, to both of the big coaches here in New Jersey. What's next, obviously, with just all the uncertainty going around right now, uh, you know, recruiting and, and getting the workouts in and schools being closed and everything like that, there's a lot of uncertainty. So what's next for all this and and how far are we, I mean, how can business continue as usual under these circumstances now? Right. Most things are frozen in time. The only thing that's going on is people are transferring and entering the transfer portal. That's continuing as usual. Everything else is pretty much frozen in time. So you don't, what you don't have is a normal recruiting period. There'll be probably no, no in-person evaluation at all. Um, all recruiting will probably have to be done over the phone and using, using clips of previous you know, games or whatever. So I don't think there's gonna, they don't, coaches don't expect to have an in-person evaluation anytime soon of their upcoming recruits. So that is going to be haphazard and probably bad for recruiting because you don't get to know someone as well. You can't have campus visits. That's off. The spring was big for that. So that's going to make recruiting a little harder. Um, you're going to have, you're not going to have any kind of individual instruction in the spring at, very, at the very least. Most of these schools get three weeks. The coaches with their players before they graduation and they go home for Memorial Day break. Most of them get time for individual instruction. That's gone. That's out the window. Um, and so the schools like Rutgers and Seton Hall who develop players, who don't just have, you know, pro-ready players walking in the door, that's going to hurt them, I think, some, because development's been a big part of how they got to where they are. And then academics, you know, they're going to finish their coursework online. Will, will athletes become ineligible? Because they're not going to have the regular, you know, the regular uh, tutoring access and, and the regular academic support they normally would have had because they're not around the coaches. Can athletes, some of these athletes keep up online? We're going to find out. I know that's a concern for coaches. And, and the other thing is, you know, the, the, the NBA draft, this is something particular to Seton Hall with Sandro Mamouklashvili, who he's, he's going to put his name in into the, uh, into the draft mix, you know, to test the waters uh, without, without uh, giving away his eligibility, similar to what Miles Powell did last year. But when, when is he going to do that? When is that going to happen? Is it going to happen at all? Um, the NBA draft might not take place till August. So are they going to have evaluation in July? Can he make a decision in August? How will that impact Seton Hall's recruiting and potentially replacing him if he does, in fact, find out he's going to be a, a first-round draft pick and leave? There's so many unknowns, and the uncertainty is bad. The last thing is, guys, the coaching carousel. Very few coaches have been fired. Normally, by now, you'd have a ton of coaches fired. You'd have a lot of shuffling, and the assistants, you know, hot assistants on Seton Hall and Rutgers or other schools that might be looking to move up, they're not going to go anywhere now because the coaching, everything's in a deep freeze. These schools are in a hiring freeze, a lot of them. So the, the wheel is almost completely stopped with the exception of kids transferring from school to school. And nobody really knows how it's going to unfold. I mean, will there even be a summer to have workouts on campus? As of now, the coaches are wondering if that'll happen. They might not see their players again until September, and they're going to trust them to stay in shape and develop on their own. And that's just, you know, a situation that if you don't, you don't want if you're a basketball fan or a coach, but they might not have a choice. It's just a lot up in the air right now, obviously, and it's something that none of us have the answers to, that no one has the answers to, and it's really just kind of a wait-and-see approach. So that's something that obviously we'll keep following, so stay with app.com, northjersey.com as we, as we track all of this. Now, if we can spend the last 10 minutes, let's pretend it is early April and the season's over, and let's go through these Jer Jersey teams and kind of do a post-mortem on their season and – What's next? Uh, you know, if there is a next season and whatever that might look like, uh, what's the outlook for some of these Jersey schools coming up next? Uh, why don't we start in the MAC with some of the smaller schools with three New Jersey schools that were 
figured to be pretty prominent in the MAC tournament if it got off the ground. Uh, but Steve, let's talk about the year in the MAC and what's ahead. Well, what's ahead is Rick Pitino's in the MAC now. He's going to recruit the heck out of New York City, and all of a sudden, it's going to be a lot tougher to win the MAC next year. Uh, that's that's the first takeaway from the immediate aftermath of the season with Tim Kloos stepping down at Iona and, and Rick Pitino stepping in. Uh, you know, I think when you look at the, the cancellation of the MAC tournament, you know, so many unanswered questions. Mammoth went in as the fourth seed uh, and had kind of an outside chance, I think, to win it. Didn't even get to play a game down there. Um, you know, their, one of their top players, a redshirt junior, Ray Salnave, it's going to look at his options. He is saying he's undecided about coming back next year. Um, he'll take his time and look and wait till after he graduates. He owes Mammoth nothing. He's been there four years. He's scored almost 1,200 points, hit some big shots for them. So he's going to look at his future. Um, if he comes back, Mammoth will be much better next year. Um, I think when you look at St. Peter's, you know, they really have a young nucleus of freshmen and a few sophomores that are going to be tough for, for a few years now. They really look like the team that could make a, a big leap next year, and they finished second in the league this year. You know, Ryder, Ryder's going to be rebuilding. You know, they, they lose everything. For them, that's unfortunate what happened because this was their last chance to really try and make a run, and it never got off the ground. They never played a game in Atlantic City. Um, so that's kind of where we stand. You know, uh, I think St. Peter's really looks good next year. Monmouth could look good next year, depending. And the MAC is going to be a, a tougher league with Rick Pitino. Absolutely. And Chris, too, this, this Rutgers team, a lot of people thought they might have been a year early this year with all they've accomplished. Uh, what's the outlook for next season? Yeah, I mean, it was a great year for them. Um, you know, ranked for the first time since 79. I mean, it just and obviously on the cusp of an NCAA tournament berth for the first time since 91. It was just a great year. It was a breakthrough season. And they're in really, really good shape coming back next year. Um, you know, they lose a couple seniors who are going to, you know, they're going to miss those losses, especially a guy like, you know, Quasi Eboa. Uh, but they have Geo Baker back. They have Ron Harper back, Ron Harper Jr. back. Um, so they're in really, really good shape next year. It wouldn't be surprise me at all to see them ranked, you know, preseason. But um, it's it's going to be, you know, another big year for them. And, and they're certainly, I'm sure, going to be extra motivated going into next year because of what happened at the end of this year. Uh, so they're in great shape. And, and this was a breakthrough season for them, and, and it gave them a lot to build on. I think they will be a preseason top 25 and certainly will be if Cliff Omarui commits March, end of March. I think the 27th is his commitment date. Roselle Catholic center, um, highly coveted big man. He's been around Rutgers a lot. I do think they're the leader and the favorite to get him. So you add him into the mix, uh, you know, he'll be in the, in the post a splitting time with, um, with Miles Johnson. I mean, that's a very good, that's a very, very good group. So I think they will be preseason top 25. And Jerry, for Seton Hall, too, obviously, you know, the, the huge task of replacing Miles Powell, a guy that uh, I understand you're putting on your first team All-Americans list, and we can get more into that as well. But they're not only replacing him, but very productive seniors along with him as well. What's the outlook for the Pirates going forward? Are they going to rebuild or are they going to be one of those teams that just reloads every year? Well, it's probably somewhere in between. But let me just first say I voted for Miles Powell for first team All-American. Uh, and we'll find out Friday at noon. If he makes it, Seton Hall hasn't had a first-team All-American since 1953. I think he's got a, probably a 60-40 uh, shot of making it, maybe a little better than that. I think he's earned it, and uh, we'll find out. But is he replaceable? I mean, you just can't replace the guy. So, listen, Seton Hall's not going to be as good. Uh, I think they'll still be pretty good. I'm going to assume that Sandro Mamuklashvili comes back. I think he's a, he's a uh, Big East Player of the Year candidate. 
could be one of the top players in that league. And the guy to watch, the name to watch is Bryce Aiken. Bryce Aiken is Harvard's point guard. He's from Randolph. He played at the Patrick School. He almost went to Seton Hall, coming out of undergrad. He goes to Harvard. He's had some injuries there, but he's a big-time player. He's an all-Big East caliber player. He's grad transferring out of Harvard. Seton Hall's on his list. I think they have a very good shot to get him. If they get him, that's a game-changer type of player. He's got a good nucleus now with, uh, with Sandro and with him in the mix. And, you know, Jared Roden and some other guys who improved this year. So I think Seton Hall could be back in the NCAA tournament. Do I think they're going to be back in top 15 where they finish this year? 15th in the AP poll? Probably not. But back in the dance for, for a sixth straight year, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, I think that's very possible. So it's still going to be a good year for New Jersey basketball. But the, the special vibe we had going, you just feel the loss of that. And it's a shame because, I mean, this whole podcast was kind of born out of just the incredible historic year that we saw in New Jersey college basketball. Seton Hall right at the top of the rankings every year. Rutgers about to make history and three teams in the MAC, of course, competing for a spot. And even Princeton was in the mix as well and sitting pretty in the Ivy League tournament that never was. So it's really a shame to have such a special season and like this, and again, we understand it. We understand the, the better safe than sorry approach that we're all taking right now to make sure that this doesn't get any more out of control. So, you know, if you can look at a silver lining that it, it was a great season. And obviously, when this is all said and done, uh, you know, guys like Miles, Miles Power, who I think I saw tweeted that he was happy to go out a champion as a, as a co-Big East champion this year. Uh, you know, I think looking back, there certainly is a lot to be proud of and, and and happy with in New Jersey college basketball this past year. So, you know, before we wrap it up, I just want to go around and get some final thoughts on the season and everything that's gone on. Uh, Steve, uh, we'll start with you. Just final thoughts on this historic season that we had. You know, I think even though it ended the way it did, it was a great season. It really was. You know, there was so much excitement, you know, right from the start. You know, I, I think back to that Seton Hall, Michigan State game early in the year. I mean, that was a classic. And you just went through the season right in through February into March when the tournament got canceled. You know, I just I think people will still look back as crazy as the end was that this was a really, really good year for college basketball in New Jersey. Chris, uh, your thoughts on the on the season and really just everything that transpired? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo Steve. It was a it was an incredible year for basketball, college basketball in Jersey, um, you know, and, and just being around Rutgers uh, there a lot toward the end and. And being at the rack for some of those games, the environment was always incredible. Uh, it was a lot of fun in there. Um, and, and just obviously, you know, it was a great year, but certainly there's, there's a lot of, you know, it just it's disappointing considering the way things ended. But, you know, now you look towards uh, towards the future and, and you look toward next season and, and, you know, hopefully a lot of the excitement returns. So um, we'll just put it on hold for a few months and then we'll get back to uh, hopefully where we left off. And Jerry, too, of course, you know, so much going on with Seton Hall this year and just such a great, great year in New Jersey college basketball. We'll never know. I mean, that's the, the, the final, the, the postscript to the season, the epilogue is we're just never going to know. You cherish the great moments and you just wonder what if. And all I can say is thank you to all the listeners, to all the readers, to all the fans that made our job so exciting this year. It was a pleasure. And I will I will guarantee this for every fan, every listener, every reader, I will we will all be on the same page about one thing. When this, when this pandemic is over, when we've passed this crisis and the basketballs are bouncing again, it's going to be sweet. And you're going to appreciate it and love it more than you ever did before. And I can't wait to that day. Absolutely. I think we're all with you on that one. It's been, what, four or five days now without sports. And, and you know, we just can't wait to get back to normal. And 
first and foremost, we obviously want everyone to stay safe and, and to wash your hands and to stay inside. And, you know, the sooner we can get through kind of the the, the discomfort of this uncertainty right now, the quicker we can get back to normal and, and get sports underway again and be able to talk about all these happy things that we love talking about. So, uh, Jerry, I'm going to echo you on that one. Thank you to our listeners who have listened to us. This was kind of an experiment that we figured uh, we would put together with all that was going on in New Jersey college basketball. And I know we were really proud to be a part of this show, and I hope you really got something out of listening to us this year. Uh, we do have plans to be back next year. And, of course, if any big news happens, whether it be with recruiting or or anything like that it's not too hard for us to put together an emergency episode so keep following along uh we're not going anywhere chris at northjersey.com jerry and steve at app.com uh, i do videos at app.com too we'll be plenty busy during all this as we all work from home and try to just figure out what's going to happen next so we'd like to thank you for listening to jersey jump shot all season long we can't thank you enough for tuning in and be on the lookout hopefully basketball returns soon and when it does we'll be there to bring you all the action and analysis so stick with us stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next time on jersey jump shot jersey jump shot is a production of the asbury park press and usa today network subscribe at app.com